angels and ghouls, it's time to gather round us horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our fourth tome, Only Sin Deep, an episode all about the dangers of selling your beauty at a local pawn shop. It's time for another nasty little terror tale from my Crawley collection. And this one's got a message, too. It's a story about greed, death, and a girl who learned that beauty is only sin deep. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co-hosts. First up, I think we're going to keep the alternating going. So first up, the most beautiful member of Hars from the Vault. What's going on, Petrified Preston? <laughs> What's up, buddy? I'm trying to think of what my hooker name would be, to be quite honest with you. I, I, oh. don't, I don't know. You guys will have to come up with that. Penisy Preston. <laughs> mm. Yeah? Might be a little on the nose. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> don't you want to be on the nose when you're selling your body? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, guys. What a what an interesting episode with some interesting performances and performers. <laughs> let's let's not give it away too much. That's right. That's right. Been, this is the one time so far where we have broken our rule, and I'm like. <laughs> I got to talk about this because I was on my second watch through and I'm like, Dan, Preston, we got to talk real quick, but we'll, yep. we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, next up, equally as beautiful, uh, just as funny, but a little bit more beardy. Of course, I'm talking about Devilish Dan. Much more beardy. And yes, Preston is definitely the best looking of the three of us. Uh, not, not to not to sell you short at all. Hunter, no, no, no. That's on. that's on. fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Let's, He's let's got that. Honest. He's he's more penisy. He's more. <laughs> I, what we, we got to figure out something for you. Something oh no, Dickish Dan. Can we Dommy, Dommy Dan? Oh, Dommy Dan, <laughs> Dommy Daddy Dan. Oh, um, they, oh, Dommy. Yeah, Dan. Ooh. I like it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, we just want to say this is our first episode of the regular upload schedule. So thank you to all of you who checked out the first three episodes of Horrors from the Vault. We got a lot of good feedback on that. And uh, while we're still getting started, we want to go ahead and just in case you don't make it through the end, Dan, why don't you go ahead and just plug the socials and the way that people can reach out to us just in case they're like, I've had enough of these bozos and they turn it <laughs> for the final three minutes. 
Yeah, so podcast as a whole, uh, you can get us on pretty much any social except for Facebook and TikTok because we're also not very old, but also not very young. And that's kind of where those two <laughs> things fall into place. But yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, all those good things. We're at Horror Vault Pod. Or if you want to send us a long form email or anything like that, it's horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We've, uh, like I said, uh, we, we've gotten a couple of, uh, follows and everything. We're really getting that off the ground. Everything is coming into place. Friday was a little bit of a, a weird launch because iTunes delays and spot. It's like all over the place. And for those of you wondering, we do have official album art. Unfortunately, iTunes slash the uploader takes a while to fix that. So hopefully by the time this episode goes up, we're, we're looking all pretty. We're looking all nice, full press presentation but it's just some of those kinks with launching a new show but speaking of kinks we're kicking into season one episode four aired just a couple of days about four days after the original three episodes on june 14th of 1989 we're talking about once again only sin deep This is a famous episode. I feel like a lot of people know this episode mainly because of its lead performance or at least its actress. So we'll get into all of that in just a minute. But before we can do that, let's go ahead and talk about the comic inspiration. So, hey, Preston, what are we looking at this time? Only Sin Deep. Oh, man, we are going back to March of 1954, gentlemen. And I will not get ahead of myself in getting into the plot just yet. But I will say, I mean, man, for 1954, hilariously, once again, pretty spot on with the story to one pretty big thing, I would I would put it. So I've already made mention of the prostitution kind of angle in this plot, right? That is not in the comic. Um, so it's more of a situation where it is a starring a woman who is just trying to take advantage of men. I guess that's probably the best way you'd put it as far as the comic goes. Whereas in the episode, obviously, um, we are dealing with a, with a street employee, if you will. So um, that's obviously one big difference, but I mean, otherwise the story is pretty much in line minus a difference or two here and there. Um, you know, once again, I remember Dan us talking about it in a previous episode very recently that we found to, we found this to be a little busy, you know, there's a lot of text. Um, there's, there's a lot to kind of go over, but I think the <laughs> thing, you know, to keep, cause, cause this is another example of, of kind of yeah. doing that. Um, but you know, they have to provide the context. And I mean, these things are what, you know, five to 10 pages at the most. So, I mean, they're fitting a lot into these stories, a lot of storytelling. So, you know, they, they objectively are pretty busy, but you know, it's a really good story and I'm, I'm looking forward to covering the episode as well. Uh, but yeah, really, I mean, really spot on with the, uh, with the show for the most part, Dan, did you give it a read? Bro, if this thing's five to pen, five to ten pages long, they fit about twenty pages worth of a novel in there. Because holy <laughs> shit, there is a lot of text, and I'll, I'll be dead honest with you, I read the first you know page, page and a half, and I go, I, I'm not going to read all of this. I've already seen the episode two or three times at this point. Yeah. I I skimmed a lot of it, and because man, that it is wordy, 
wordy as hell yeah it's it's not good did you call her a street performer by the way i, I think i, said I think you did i look no, i think i said street employee street employee oh, okay. do you have to have like a is that like a costco membership like how do you how do you fit this all together preston because this this episode and the, the comic inspiration um you know in today's modern times maybe it's uncouth but uh hookers <laughs> prostitutes my episode recap is going to upset a lot of people if we if i've got to go ahead and change this to uh street employees fair, fair <laughs> enough fair enough i mean between this episode and a few things we have in the next episode I, we're probably going to get canceled uh, <laughs> by episode five so <laughs> uh this comic is uh yeah like you guys said it's um hasn't been my favorite that we've read so far <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> which which it, it is interesting that they decided to adapt this one so early on in the series it feels like maybe this is one that they would want to tackle on later down the line and i don't know if that's just because the director or somebody on the cast was like yeah we got to do this one this is a, this is a good one or if they were just trying to say hey like my wife is really hot we're gonna make her a hot chick in this episode um like i don't really know what the logic is but yeah this one was kind of a i won't say tough because like i i'm not tapping out on you know a five-page comic or or whatever the hell it was but it was kind of like and it i don't know having been familiar with the episode we're going to talk about this in just a second but you know it didn't have the the greatest graces going into it either so we'll yeah the the comic was uh, i don't know preston is this kind of our our first skip maybe like we're not going to urge people or would you say still check it out don't read it you don't you don't need to read it go watch the show you're fine Here's the thing with me, and I'll say this, because you you kind of had an interesting perspective already being pretty aware of this episode, not really being, I don't want to overspeak, but not being that big of a fan of it, it sounds like. So you kind of you kind of had that painted for you. This I, I had seen this episode before, but I I barely remembered it at all. It wasn't until I started, I was like, okay, it kind of came back to me. So reading this comic, it felt really fresh. Um I don't know. I thought the story was okay. It certainly hasn't been one of my one of my favorites. Uh, it might be the bottom of the list, honestly. But it was readable for me, I guess, is what I would say. But probably just skip it and watch the episode. I mean, to be fair. Yeah. Usually, I mean, in the last couple, at least, we found, you know, we've liked some more than others with, I think, and all through the house being the, the favorite amongst the three of us so far. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um... You know, we we found things to be like, yeah, 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 you should at least check this out because they do some interesting things. I remember in The Man Who Was Death, like, uh, or excuse me, The Man Who Was Death, we talked about one of the changes that we thought was really interesting. So there's always been something where we're, we're like, go check it out. And, you know, we're going to talk about the episode in a minute. But this one, we were kind of like, all right, just... You, you ain't got to have it. You ain't got it. <laughs> well, it sounds like two, you ain't got to read it. And then one... Maybe. <laughs> and to further prove you yeah. guys' point, we'll get into it, you know, in the episode itself, but the comic leaves some of the quote unquote cooler aspects of, of what the show has to offer out. So, you know, for that reason alone, you know, check the show out. And by yeah. that he means that he hopes you read it with that really funky tiger sound effect. Oh, I was going with uh, the accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope you oh, read it with the, the accent. Well, we're going to be talking about the accent. I'm pretty sure half Ooh. of my script is jokes about the accent. So we'll get there. 
Preston, are you going to, what, what do you say? Are we good to keep moving or do you have more comments? No, I say we just keep on moving, brother. All right. And something that we've been meaning to do, but as the show kind of evolves, we've introduced segment titles into the little bits and pieces of the episode. So this, uh, what we're going to be calling the comic inspiration going forward is House of Horrors, a tribute to everything that EC Comics built. So you guys got to hold me accountable to that. We got to keep I that like going. It. That's I cute. like it. I like it. That's going to be sponsored before you know it. You know it. Dan, why don't you go ahead and tell us just a little bit about the top billing, the creative team involved with this episode? Yeah, uh, first one's going to be real easy. Uh, writer Fred Decker. We already talked about him in episode uh, would it be three, All Through the House. Uh, three, two, whatever. All Through the House. We already talked about him. So if you want to know more about him, go listen to that. Uh, the director, Howard Deutsch, uh, he is best known for Pretty in Pink, The Great Outdoors, and just a crap ton of TV later in his career. Uh, he's also married to Leah Thompson, as Hunter alluded to earlier. Uh, and speaking of Leah Thompson, uh, some of you might know her as your childhood crush, if you're anything like me, for, as uh, Lorraine Baines from the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, you know, just cute as a button in there uh i also enjoyed her in her very own sitcom called caroline in the city uh probably not a lot of younger people are aware of that but uh sitcoms used to be a big thing in the 80s and 90s and uh that one was a lot of fun she played a cartoonist uh she had a queer coded guy that was her colorist um yeah good character work a lot of fun uh she's also played beverly in howard the duck uh, and she made her debut as Kellyanne Bukowski in Jaws 3D. We all love that. That's <laughs> yeah, best of the series, right? Yeah. Uh, we're yeah, we're I, very fond of Jaws 3D around here. <laughs> the first one was fine, but it really hit its stride once it got to 3D. It definitely did. <laughs> Just like Saw. Just like Saw. <laughs> you know, uh, all right, all right. I'm, I'm going to digress. I'm not going to go on my Saw diatribe about Saw 3 and 4 and being two of the best of the series. Anyway, oh, oh also, I, I specifically was referencing, was it Saw 6, the one that was in 3D? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it was 7, wasn't it? Wasn't it the was final it seven? Yeah, I can't remember yeah. which one it was. I can't keep them all together. Don't we have a new Saw coming out that we know oh, yeah. basically nothing about? Saw 10 and yeah. Jigsaw goes to Mexico to get revenge or something <laughs> spiral doesn't count it's a spinoff okay it kind of counts we want to we want to do the apple thing we want to just jump on forward it only counts when we need to get to 10 quicker than nine yeah right yeah but we digress anyway back to the episode proper brit leach plays the pawnbroker uh, you remember me mentioning the great outdoors he was also in that playing the lightning guy the guy that got struck in the head six 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 times <laughs> in a head 66 <laughs> times in the head wow yeah. guys if you haven't seen the great outdoors go fucking see the great outdoors it's it's fantastic you should and dan i fun fact i found out while scrolling through imdb apparently this dude lived with uh ray and jim morrison from the doors in oh his God. early <laughs> la days <laughs> so like awesome. yeah it's like what did you do i was in the great outdoors i lived with the doors and i got to be in that episode of tales from the crypt nice that's a life uh, fulfilled. Well, he was also in The Last Starfighter. He played Mr. Sims. What a great last name. In Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Sergeant Cook in Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, which is a weird fucking movie. Oh, uh, it's a good one. It is a good one, but bizarre. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, we also have Brett Cullen as Ronnie Price. He was Nathan in 11 episodes of Person of Interest. I don't know much about that, except Ben from Lost is in it, as well as that guy that is best known for playing Jesus, and now he's some sort of nutbag. Uh, he also played Goodwin in Lost, speaking of Lost, which is a lot of fun. He was an other. Uh, he was Don in Under the Dome and Barton Blaze in Ghost Rider. And then wrapping us up, we have Pamela DePella as Raven, one of the other street performers. Uh, she was <laughs> Julia in 51 episodes of The Young and the Restless, which sounded like a lot at first. And I thought about it, I'm like, mm, that's probably less than a year. So, yeah, sounds impressive. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of work. Good for her. Uh, she's also Dolores in Cage Heat 2, Stripped of Freedom. And she was a teacher in Superbad, which uh, also Superbad, one of my favorites. That's it. That's our main cast. Nice. All right. Good stuff there. Great All Outdoors. Right. Suck my wake. Go see it. <laughs> Go watch Great Outdoors. Make it a double feature. Watch it with Uncle Buck. You'll have a great night. Uh, Uncle Buck's good, too. Oh, I watched it recently. Just fucking great. What a John, what a, John what a, Candy, man. What a he really tragedy. was that man. Yeah. Television terror. All right, we got to open up how we always do by talking about the opening Crypt Keeper segment. And this one is really nothing elaborate. Like a lot of these season ones, we keep talking about, you know, later on we get all sorts of costume changes and general weirdness and bits and everything like that. This is pretty standard. He's doing the traditional evil queen bit from Snow White and he ends up cracking the mirror and uh, he remarks that he's going to get seven years bad luck. Which is fine because Tales from the Crypt actually ran for about seven seasons. So kind of amusing there. But overall, pretty straightforward introduction to the Crypt Keeper. I didn't really have anything elaborate to talk about with this one. Yeah, I got nothing. It's it's pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard. Looks great, you know, per usual. But yeah, nothing nothing stand out. We, we do get them, you know, pulling the books again. Yeah, of course. And we also do get um, the episode title. So that's always fun. It's, it, you know, and it's interesting because the next episode we're going to talk about is maybe even more low key than this one. Mm. So it's just it's interesting. Um, and, and I feel like a lot of it is tainted by our perception of the Crypt Keeper that when we have these small little moments where he's not being as outrageous and especially with the voice still being a bit different from the Crypt Keeper, we know it's just kind of like. Eh, okay, but it's cute <laughs> enough. I like the mirror crack gag. I like that the cracked mirror comes back at the end of the episode. So it all ties together pretty nicely. But, you know, it's just a fun little wraparound segment. Nothing really too special about it. All right, let's talk about the episode itself. You can almost smell the garbage and hot dog flavored water as we descend upon the mean streets of New York Jesus City. <laughs> We quickly hook up with two hookers, Sylvia Vane. You guys get it? You get it? I get it. And her casual, sex-positive, and surprisingly ageist best friend. We briefly get to admire the big man on their street, millionaire Ronnie Price, and Sylvia vows to get what she wants at whatever cost. Sylvia is propositioned by Raven's pimp to join his employment crew because he does offer solid pay and benefits, but Sylvia proves you truly can't trust a hoe as she guns him down in cold blood in the nearby alleyway and steals his jewelry, including his pearl inlay pistol. Um... There's a lot there. We're kind wow. of introduced to everything we need to know. We learn who this character is. We understand her aspirations. You know, she's got a little bit of the the X thing going on where she's like a star. She, you know, she deserves better than the life 
that she's been given. Um, but she's also a killer and a murderer and uh, kind of uh, kind of terrible <laughs> all around. She's <laughs> she's kind of miserable, and we've been talking about it. We should go ahead and address it. This is not Leah Thompson's best role. I no. in my notes Ooh. here, I have. Leah Thompson is terrible in this. <laughs> so I feel like we could kind of start there. Strictly business. Hey, w- w- what's up, baby? Give me your jewelry. You got to be crazy. Give me the fucking jewelry, man. I don't know what news is talking yeah. about. That's <laughs> some of the best acting I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know who let this fly. Like, to be frank, I don't know why they decided this was a good idea. And I feel like it's especially exasperated by the last three episodes being so good, like really top mm-hmm. talent people putting together those episodes that when you get to this one, she is not the entire problem with this episode, but she does contribute to a lot of it. I would dare say maybe 70% of this episode's problems directly revolve around her doing a terrible performance and that terrible <laughs> accent. And there's once again, I just it, it kind of blows the mind that they were like, yeah, you know what? That's good. I like what you're doing. Let's keep rolling with it. Got it in one take. Cut. Go. Go. Brilliant. Yeah. Let's talk about Leah Thompson real quick, if you don't mind. Let me let me let me let me talk yeah, to you for a minute. Lay it down. Oh, you go ahead. Man, in my mind, Leah Thompson could do no wrong in the 80s and 90s for me. And then I watched this episode. She shows up, makeup looks like she got shot by Homer's makeup gun from The Simpsons. She's wearing, <laughs> she's wearing her best skunk skin coat. She's got that fucking that accent. She's her her voice is like three so octaves bad. too deep, and it it like yes. it, com- it comes and goes. Like she drops it and it picks it back up, and like yes, yes, it, it's so bad. And I, I this episode alone has me second guessing whether Leia Thompson was ever as good as I thought she was. Now I have to go watch Caroline in the city. again. <laughs> oh, man. Like you would think that Zemeckis, which I don't know how involved he was on this episode, you know, despite him being one of the creative figureheads, like you figure he would have a close enough relationship with her to be like, look, your husband doesn't dare to tell you he loves you, but we got to talk, girl. We got to we got to figure this out in some sort of capacity. And I get it. You know, she's supposed to be the hot character or whatever. And she looks great. Ev- everything like that. But wow, I just this is confounding that they decided to make this the lead performance to anchor this entire episode. And like I said, she's not even the entire problem. There's a lot of other problems, I think, with this episode. But holy cow, this she she definitely does not help. Yeah. I, I just got to throw this out there. I, I really quick. I, I mean, I was like you'd said, Dan, I mean, a hundred percent. I didn't know like that. I could dislike something Leah Thompson did. So I'm watching this and I'm like, is this, is this just me? And then we kind of start chatting amongst each other. I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh. Um, it was just <laughs> it was terrible. Dan, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to bring up other bad things like Hunter mentioned. We get our first taste of the the wildcat score with the wow noise. Oh, uh, and so not, not to mention, I yeah. couldn't tell when she shot the guy, whether it was part of the score or if it was meant to be <laughs> the actual gunshots, because it was like the worst fucking canned freebie gun noise. That, yeah. yeah just, just, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. 
And once again, I I don't know if I I think you were agreeing with me, Dan, and maybe you were, Preston, but I just think that with the pedigree of the first three episodes going into this one, it feels cheap like it. It even even its direction feels very kind of lifetime movie like it just it's a huge departure from the first three episodes all around. Yeah, absolutely. Just complete Mm -hmm. 180. Yeah. But you know what's not a 180? Sylvia, because Sylvia's a fancy broad. She's got big dreams and a bigger need for the extravagant. She tries to sell Big Pimpin's jewelry to a local pawn shop owner, Joe, who refuses almost immediately, knowing it's all hot and stolen. However, he does think she has something to offer that isn't her terrible New York City accent, her beauty. Despite seeing him get berated by a hideous old nag earlier, she agrees to the swap and lets him take a life cast of her face, thinking he's just New York City's Chum Lee, another pawn shop (laughs) (laughs) weirdo. I did not foresee a Chum Lee reference. Very well done. Very good. Well, I was going to save this for later, but let me go ahead and read it. It's going to be better when I I add the music, but... I'm Joe, and this is my pawn shop. I work here with my dead corpse of a wife and my weirdo cop best friend. Every face in here has a story, a bad accent, and a price. One thing I've learned after 21 years, you ever know what stuck-up bitch is going to come through that door. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's rough. So Sylvia, she secures her $10,000 and the note that she has four months to pay that amount, excuse me, that amount back plus interest. So she goes and has the girl shopping experience of her dreams, like something out of a Mary Kate and Ashley movie. And you can almost hear the Cindy Lauper play in the background. And then instead of writing a full sentence here, I just wrote corpse wife uh, because holy shit, that's a dead lady. (laughs) Corpse bride, Man, corpse bride. Br- a literal corpse bride. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's kind of cover this general section, Chumleys and and Pawn Stars bits aside. Uh, <laughs> this is where the central conceit comes in. Where hey, you're very pretty. We don't know why, but let me capture your beauty. He's very straightforward about that. There's no sorts of trickery. He's like, I'm not I'm not getting a life cast of your face. I'm after your beauty. You got four months to pay it back in true pawn shop fashion. Um, it's a interesting enough concept, right? Like where mm-hmm. the idea I think is technically sound, but the execution is so barely done. It's puddle deep. And that's the biggest, you know, outside of the performances. That's the biggest issue I have with this story is that there's little interesting tidbits that we just do absolutely nothing with. And I know we revisit the vanity concept later on with tales from the crypt. So we get another shot at it, even if it's not this exact story, but that's the big part. I want to know more about corpse wife. I want to know about the voodoo magic. I want to know about the weirdness. Like there's stuff in here where I'm like, I wish we could have done that instead. And I think it would have just made it a way more solid episode. Yeah, there's a lot of time spent focusing on like the masks in there and some other stuff that makes you think there's going to be more to it rather than just he drops some white goo on her face, which let's face it, he, she's used to that as a street performer um, and steals <laughs> yeah. her beauty. Uh, I mean, it's street employee, Dan. I'm sorry, street employee. Right. Yeah, it really, it's just it, it makes a life cast mask of her when. That that's about all there is to it. We we do get that uh, that foreshadowing. Obviously, the woman in there kind of 
going off, uh, you know, but not that that really adds that much. Um, but yeah, there, before you oh, move on, let, let, let's pause there for a second. So yeah. she, she comes in and screams at the dude and then leaves immediately. And Leah Thompson turns and says, I didn't know you was a teen idol. <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I didn't know yous was a teen idol. Um, yeah. I'm there guessing just that women, when they admire sure. people, they come in and yell at them. Like he's Ringo Starr. You like, know, going I, frantic, screaming. Yeah, you know. like I guess that's it. Like it's a sarcastic little remark, but it's, yeah, you're right. It is ridiculous. Oh. Wow, I did not get that read from it, but okay, I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. Yeah, you were so distracted by that line read. Yeah, I don't blame you. Sorry, Preston. Go ahead. No, no, I just that's an interesting tidbit that obviously we come back to later, as as you can attain just from watching it. Um, but yeah, I, I like what you guys said about seeing kind of the the voodoo look of stuff, those masks in the background, and and yeah, we just unfortunately never really expand upon that um you know hey the corpse looks good i'll give it that much props to the, no, to the makeup it folks, looks like but... a mon. well yeah it looks like a monster though like there's no way that <laughs> that corpse is that lady that appears spoiler later on in the coffin like it looks like a, a big mutant head on a skeleton and then later on she's a supermodel <laughs> maybe it's just been uh maybe it's been you know dead for it a while it does look like 90s halloween store prop Preston, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> oh, i thought it looked yeah. okay well i mean i've definitely seen worse but like i kind of want to see i want to see the revitalization that later happens like i kind of want just that's true to do something more with this corpse and their relationship and like we don't really get the answer i feel like it's implied that it's just to revitalize the corpse. Like it's not bringing the bride back to life. It's just like, Oh, this is how she looked when she died, which is just, I don't know. Like he's really weird. <laughs> Joe is like just strange. Yeah. Like he's going through all this trouble and spending all this money just to make sure her corpse looks pretty. Like there, there had to be a better way to execute on this concept. And I just think it doesn't come together. And when you compound it with, the other technical issues that that are in this episode it just doesn't make it overall very compelling final word on the bride i went back to it i think the reason why i kind of like it is it looks like a leftover prop from from dust till dawn to be honest with you so <laughs> i'll leave it at that all right we'll accept your bias on this one <laughs> But great news, fellas. Sylvia finally gets her wish. She crashes Ronnie's party and uses her streetwise charm to get him in that sweet, rich dick. It's incredibly awkward and unconvincing, but he's convinced, so maybe men are just a little stupid. <laughs> we skip forward four months as Sylvia gets a beautiful heart-shaped necklace, a final little gift before Ronnie's departure for a few days. There's trouble in paradise, however. Sylvia is looking aged by the day. And after a random sex scene, for really no reason besides to include it, he leaves and she visits a dermatologist wearing her best black veil from the Cure concert that she attended last week. And uh, it's it's all sorts of a hodgepodge scene. He asks if she had her, her boobs done because that could be causing an issue. And then he's like, I'm a dermatologist. I don't specialize in glandular work. And then she's like, tell me what the fucking problem is in that that voice that she does. But suddenly... She remembers her deal with Joe. She rushes back, finding out that she's a day late on her payment. And now oh, he needs $100,000. 
She goes home to Ronnie's apartment and inexplicably starts destroying everything in sight while collecting all the jewelry <laughs> Joe has bought for her over the last few months. However, he arrives home early and wants to know who the fuck this old bitch is. Instead of reasoning and trying to explain the situation, she shoots his rich ass, and now someone who is without an investor and Shark Tank will never be the same. Guys, there's, once again, there's a lot happening here. We kind of... We get that really weird introduction scene between the two of them. Let's start there because, Dan, we're talking about the Wildcat Tiger instrumental. It's it's super prominent in this scene. And it's just, I get, it's supposed to be like a love at first sight. She's so beautiful. She's the woman of his dreams, right? But the unconvincing, like, you don't you don't slap the the host of the party and just get away with it. Like all of that is so weird and forced and contrived. And I just don't buy this relationship whatsoever. Yeah, it's in the comic, getting, by the way. It is, it is, to be fair. But man, you're supposed to be getting like, oh, what chemistry these two have, and they have zero zero chemistry. chemistry. Oh uh, yeah. I, I will say that the best line does come when uh, he's finally deciding to to walk her out or see her out of his apartment. And, and he goes, at least tell me why you came. And she says, I haven't yet. Implying that, ooh, he going to bone her down and she, she going to come then. <laughs> I said sweet, rich dick. Um, so, yeah, you're totally right. Sweet, um, sweet, rich dick. Sweet, sweet, rich dick. <laughs> oh. He comes money. Um <laughs> <laughs> this episode's so fucking tacky. Every inch of this episode is just cheesy, gaudy, and tacky. Incredibly corny. I will say that there is one very nice shot, though, uh, with her looking in the mirror or looking at an old picture, and then you get to see the reflection of her old ass face. Oh and yeah, that, that that was that was a good touch. I enjoyed that a little on the nose, but you know, it, it was shot well. Also, there were twelve bullets in that gun. I don't know much about guns, but that seems like an awful lot. Yeah. No, you're fair. And I like that she just has clearly no love for Ronnie. Like, if there was any sort of affection there, like, she's obviously clearly in it for the cash. She's a gold digger, right? Who knows how long their relationship would have lasted. But she was pretty happy over a four-month period. Um, But she just cans his ass. She shoots him so many times and instead of being (laughs) instead of attempting to explain the situation we're even like they could have gone the same route where she's like no 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 i promise it's me it's me and then like she did he didn't have to believe her or he did believe her but wasn't sure what to do and he broke up with her i just feel like there was a more realistic way for them to do this scene and then i I guess you don't get to the ending that you get without her killing him but it just surprised me how happy she is with that trigger finger at the end and throwing bases through plate glass windows yeah like what's up with her like (laughs) steroid rage where she's just like breaking everything in the apartment just breaking everything it's like you you didn't think that when they're you know through you know dipshit did you no um yeah yeah it's funny where it's funny where this one goes. She's I, they do make fun of her several times. Like later on the cop, uh, it is in my notes here. Cause I didn't think it was super important, but when we find out that she is going to like, she's being manhunted essentially for this murder. He's like, Hey, it looks like that. Who needs to be smart? So like, they make no qualms about calling this woman a complete idiot, like several times throughout the episode. But who knew she was so angry? Who knew she just wanted to break stuff so bad? 
break shit like Limp Biscuit. That's, that's it. Right. I get reference this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this one of those days. <laughs> so Sylvia in her tizzy, she leaves behind the gun that she killed Ronnie with. Uh, she somehow manages to break down the pawn shop door with a trash can. One of the goofiest scenes. Is Barely tapping that, it. Yeah, right? with that, that metal trash. Like, you expect me to believe you broke it. I know master locks aren't all that, but you expect me to believe you broke that? I need the, to to get on the, the law, the, excuse me, the lock-picking lawyer, like, on YouTube, and he can let me know if this is going to work. <laughs> it's just a little push. It's just a little push. Yeah, it's, it's like a always. light tap. Like, come on, for a pawn shop? That's pitiful. <laughs> What I'm saying is that Eric Draven should have attempted this in the crow. Oh, Damn. Yeah, let's talk about Gideon's pawn shop. You heard me rapping. You want me? To, you want me to play out that scene? Uh, in full, yes, absolutely. Okay. So, so Eric um, Draven comes now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyways, you know, we're, we're about she, to get to that bride, right? Yeah, she busts down the pawn shop door with a trash can, and Joe gives Sylvia her beauty mold back for free. However, she does, or excuse me, he does warn her that, uh, hey, look, kid, you're going to want to forget about this. And, you know, it's not quite free. She dumps all that jewelry and everything. But he's like, look, I don't care. You can have it back. But do you really want it back? Uh, because guess what? Like we alluded to earlier, she is wanted for murder in the fastest uh, New York Post newspaper printing of all time. It's just out there. It's it's captured. Um his best buddy, uh, who I don't think has a name, right? That police officer. I, I don't think we get a name oh, in the yeah. episode. He's just policeman. I, I, I think he he does. He is credited, but I didn't write it down. Okay, <clears throat> but uh, that policeman that we saw earlier, he does go into the pawn shop, and uh, he's like, "Hey, Joe, have you have you seen any of these criminals?" And then they talk about her being an airhead and like just leaving the gun behind. But you know what? She's beautiful, so it's fine. So Sylvia, just knowing that, you know, she's basically screwed at this point, she runs out and uh, she bumps into that policeman. So that is the, of course, the woman that he's hunting, but she doesn't know that. He's just like, hey, who, who's this old woman? Why is she all up in my grill? Um, so now she's on the run. She knows it's over. She's holding her life cast. She runs out into the streets and then she runs into her uh, former best friend slash street employee, uh, Raven, who calls her an old, ugly, trifling bitch yep. in the Thank quote God. of the episode. I'm or glad you got yeah, you wrote it down. Thank God. It's it's the highlight of the episode. Yeah. It really is. Uh, old, ugly, trifling bitch really kind of sealed the deal for me and gave me a little note to go out on because she drops that life cast. We're kind of, you know, just did she just want it for posterity reasons? Like, what was she going to do with it? Um, she runs out with that life cast. She drops it and breaks it. And uh, in kind of a turn of events, we don't see her die or get killed or anything like that. She might have gotten hit by a car just a couple of seconds later. We don't really know, but we kind of just uh, zoom out of New York City. And there is our 21-year-old old elderly lady uh, main character. And, and that is the end of Only Sin Deep. Like Dark this- Man, she's, she's forced to walk the streets and not talk to anybody and hide in darkness and no apparently new york city hates old people is what i've realized Uh, it's fair you should hate old people (laughs) children 
Old people she, and children. She, she looks like she just walked from the set of Freddy's Dead uh, in that last scene. Is what she looks like. I mean, it looks yeah. just like that, basically. I thought she looked like the old Maitlands in Beetlejuice. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, maybe a little bit. True. Yeah. Yeah. This is a. Um, I don't know for like all of the issues that this episode had. I feel like if they would have pulled it together for kind of a really interesting ending, like. Maybe I'm cliche. If I would have seen her age to the point where she just disintegrates into a skeleton in the streets, I would have been like, okay, you know, that's fine. Um, But instead, you kind of just get this ending. And maybe it is more satisfying narratively just to know she's going to walk the earth looking like this old woman now. But I don't know. I just found it ultimately to be pretty unsatisfying. And an episode full of weirdness, if you would have given me something a little bit more to end it on, I feel like I could have given you a couple of extra points. But Instead, I'm kind of just like, eh, okay, and that's that's about it. That's kind of where yeah. I leave this episode on. It is slightly interesting, though, because he steals her beauty, not her age. So she's still 20 years old and probably has to go through another 60 to 80 years, however old she's going to end up being as an old hag, even though she is much younger than she appears. Could she get work done if she could afford it? Get Would some it, Aveeno it... cream, rub it on there. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Cocoa butter. Could L'Oreal come in? Mm-hmm. Like, could they could they do a on-the-street makeover? Like, what is her fate here? Listen, but a I... face like that with, a vo- with vocal cords like that, I don't know how far you can make <laughs> it, sister. May as well just kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I feel like that maybe is the ultimate ending is that she ends up killing herself. But yeah, I just, we, we never really find out, which I guess it's supposed to be left up for interpretation. But I I think it was implied that that's her ultimate fate is that she can't stand living as an uggo. So she ends up, you know, kick, kicking it. I feel it sister. I'm there every day. Speaking of endings, we do get the crypt keeper applying some acne cream. I enjoyed that. Disgusting. A little it's bit of so acne gross. cream. Yeah, I like that it's like clearly just fucking glue that he <laughs> pulls onto his. Like it would have been even more amusing if it was just I don't know uh, tacky glue that he was applying to his face or something like that. But yes, it is fun that it is acne beauty cream. It's you know it's not a big get, but it does tie it together in a nice little way where it's like oh I want to know more about the Cryptkeeper skin routine. None of it stays on his face. It comes right off and goes right yeah. back. The thing. Yeah. You can almost like see them like shake his little finger clean where they're like, get it off. This is yeah. a very expensive puppet. <laughs> by the way, that cop was credited as cop. Uh, he was played by Burke Burns. And yeah. uh, the main thing he's probably known for is Child's Play 3. Oh, well, there oh, we go. Wow. Well, cop, we appreciated you. Thank you. You cop. did not have a name. All right, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and give our uh, last respects. Let's talk about our final thoughts and separate thumbs rating. So Preston, why don't you go ahead and tell me your final thoughts on only send deep? Well, if I learned anything, it's that you can take the hooker off the street, but you can't take the street out the hooker. You know, that's the the moral of the story, folks. That, the, 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 yeah, substitute street employee, make that edit, uh, you know, got to got to keep it above the line. Um, this certainly has not been uh, a bright spot in our viewing so far. Leah Thompson, goodness, I love you, lady. But uh, yeah, this was just a little little too over the top. Um, you know, let's see here. <laughs> I'm trying to think, man, because, yeah, I, I was kind of looking over here at the comic as well. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel. 
feel about the same with both. You know, if you're a completionist like us weird people, um, yeah, if you're watching the the series along with us, of course you watched yes. it. So, and the good news is, it's going to take 25 minutes of your life, and not like an hour and a half, right? So that that certainly helps. If you're a completionist, I say definitely watch it. If you're just kind of tuning in every now and then, this is certainly one to skip. I'm going to go with a two severed thumbs out of five. All right. Devilish Dan. You could actually hear Preston trying to be nice because that's the kind of person he is. <laughs> well, he is beautiful. His beauty is. is not only sin deep. No, it, he's beautiful inside and out. Um, that's right. This you got that tra- red stick. He does have that rich dick. <laughs> Preston. Uh, Damn it. This on, episode Dom, is Dan. not beautiful. Uh, I'll do it. I'll do it in my daddy voice. Uh, this, uh, this episode, uh, it's kind of a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> just like you. No, seriously, though, this, this episode is, I'd never have to watch it again. I've watched it three times and that's enough. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to save my like really low rankings for probably season seven when it gets real janky. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to have to go one and a half um, just to keep some room to drop. Cause like I said, this episode, everything about it is cheese ball, tacky over the top, gross, not great. Uh, one and a half. Yeah. I'm going to join you right there, Dan at a 1.5. I just, I feel like there are episodes and some coming up relatively soon that do the vanity idea a little bit better, like I said earlier. And I just think that maybe it is unfair because in comparison to the first three, there was obviously going to be a drop in quality, but you should have saved it. You could have worked out. You knew from the comic inspiration that maybe this wasn't the best source material. You could have figured something out. Um, I don't particularly find it amusing. I don't find it creepy in any sort of way. Um, And I just think that there were missed opportunities where you really could have improved it quite a bit. It's just an oddball. There's so many weird things that just do not click at all for me. So yeah, I'm joining you right there because this is a firm 1.5. However, I can't give it below that because I know that there's going to be some real shit down the line. So I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, start too early, but that is quite a big drop off. I mean, uh, dig that cat. I just gave it a 4.5. So you can tell where, where I'm sitting at. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it further proves what we said originally is that this just stands out as an unfortunate departure from the few episodes we've had to this point really, really stands out. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Dan, I think you said it best where we watched it for this episode. And uh, now when I am doing my Tales from the Crypt rewatches, unless I am for whatever reason doing a complete series rewatch after this, I'm never coming back. I'll nope. see you later, Leah. <laughs> we done. We done. Yeah. You old ugly trifling bitch. <laughs> so angry. It's a, it's an angry episode. That too. You know? That it's, yeah. It's nothing. None of them are like, you know, great, but this one's particularly angry. No, I think maybe that is part of it is that there's really not a lot of fun to be gleaned from it. In my opinion, um, there's nothing even kind of amusing. It's just kind of like, it's mean and gross and just unfulfilling it's kind of like getting mozzarella sticks at at checkers you know you're just kind of grossed out you guys have been there right you know what i'm talking about it's a great idea you know in theory it's it's great but then when you get it it's it's not good 
Yeah. I know some people would be like, oh, it's like 3 a.m. Taco Bell. Fuck that. 3 a.m. Taco Bell is fucking great. But mm. Checkers mozzarella sticks at 3 a.m. are probably not the right option. You know what? Let's improve this. Um, <laughs> this episode is like 2 a.m. Captain D's. I don't even know what that mm. is. That's a southern thing. It's been a while. Well, we'll, Wait, we'll all take a trip when you you're have here. Captain D's, Dan? No. I live above the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> <laughs> it's something we got to keep during the war, Preston. <laughs> Damn it. That's it. Wait, wait. Are you telling me you have Long John's up there? Yeah, we have Long, long John Silvers. That's yeah. basically what it is. Oh, yeah, okay. that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Terrible fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Get a filet of fish at four in the morning. That'll work mm. all around the world. Anyways, this this shit's all getting hitting the cutting room. <laughs> no, keep it in. That's good stuff. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Horrors from the Vault. We want to thank you for joining us in the vault. But let's go ahead and play the music and we'll get out of here. Like always. Thank you so much for listening to the episode, but I got to go ahead and ask my two lovely co-hosts the best places to keep up with all things horror from the vault and ourselves. So Preston, where can folks keep up with you? Yes, do so over on Twitter at Preston967. You can find me. Uh, Letterbox, though, that's where we're hanging out most these days, man. Scarathon in full effect. Oh, man, I've waited very impatiently, but uh, yeah, find me on Letterbox again at Preston nine six seven, Facebook Preston Green, and uh, yeah, hey, not the best episode we covered today, but I had a good time doing it with you fellas. Thanks so much, buddy. Same to you, Devilish Dan. What's going on on your end? I keep forgetting to plug my my Letterboxed, and when it's Scarathon three sixty five with me, uh, you can check that out at Daniel P Sims on Letterboxed. Uh, I'm there in a uh, Stanley Kubrick shining shirt uh, and a vest, looking dapper as fuck. Um, if you want to check me out everywhere else, it is at Red Right Dan, and of course, as I mentioned before, you can check us out at Horror Vault Pod on all the socials or at gmail.com. And if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do that is on Letterboxd as well, uh, because Dan brought it up. You can read my uh, probably wrong slash incorrect take on Stanley Kubrick's The Shining that I just posted. That'll probably be buried by the time you listen to this, but go look at it. Go yell at me. Uh, but yes, Letterboxd at Discount Vincent Price. Same thing on Instagram and Blue Sky. I want to thank you all for listening to Horrors from the Vault. Like always, I want to thank the NeoZaz podcast platform and Orlando pop punk band Pangolin FL. Yep. Special shout out to them. They did just drop a brand new song called Old Man Who Yells at Cloud, <laughs> which is great. So go check that out. But thank you for listening to Horrors from the Vault. We'll kill you next time. Crypt Keeper, let's get out of here.
Thank you again for joining us in the vault. We'll murder you next time. Until next... Uh, <laughs> suck on a fucking penis <laughs> <pressing>. Um <laughs> I don't know.